Good morning. Welcome to First Baptist Church. We are so glad that you all are here today with us to listen to the word and to praise his name. It is a great day to praise the Lord. Amen? Amen. 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 Please stand with us and let's praise his name together.
No guilt in life, no fear in death. Do you realize how amazing those two things are? You don't have to carry guilt around with like baggage. We, we, we do that and we don't need to. Christ died for us. He was buried for us. He rose again for us to take away our sins. So it's as if he looks at us with, through special glasses. He doesn't need them, but it's like he looks at the special glasses and, and all the sins are gone and we stand there in the fullness of Christ who indwells us because of faith and by the grace of God. So no, no shame, no guilt in life, no fear in death. And we're, we're a world on the brink. You know that. I'm gonna say more about that in just a moment. In fact, we're gonna take a special offering for Israel in this service, and if, you don't, if you're not prepared to do that, uh, you can still drop something off uh, later on tomorrow. Uh, we'll, it'll be a day or two before we send it, but we're going to send money for uh, medical supplies, for food, for relocation of, uh, of Israelis, for uh, humanitarian needs. So if you want to have a part in that, we're going to give you an opportunity to do that in just a little bit. But first of all, uh, let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer and thank him for the grace of God that's in our life. Father, we thank you so much for the blessings you've given to us, Lord. You're such an incredibly great God. And Father, we are so incredibly in love with you because of your love for us, first of all. We pray, Father, that you would bless Israel. We know that they're your people. We know they're in spiritual darkness and spiritual need. But God, you still love them with an everlasting love. And your promises to them about a Davidic kingdom still remain. And Father, there will be a kingdom set up, and the capital will be Jerusalem. And Father, you're going to rule and reign uh, from that throne. And so we thank you for that day, and we believe that day could be just right around the corner. God, we just ask you, Lord, for the Palestinians who have no part of the evil deeds that are being done, that you might give them protection and help them to be able to get out of harm's way. Father, we ask you to restrain the power of evil that just seems to have taken over in the hearts and minds of so many. God, not only over there in the Middle East, but even here at home. So God, we pray for your will to be done in our lives. May we honor and glorify you in all things. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you and be seated. And uh, this is a visitor card. It's a connection card. If you're here for the first time, we would encourage you. To, don't, don't pass those, those yet. Let me, let me say what we're going to do here. Just a minute. Don't, yeah. I'm gonna got a got a little announcement for it first, so sorry about that, Bo. All right, so if you are first time guest, please fill one of these out, give it to me, or put it in our tithes and offerings box. Where is the tithe and offering box? Back in the back, right by the back doors. It's that box on a stand with a cross on top. Go ahead and fill this out if you're a first timer, and we'll send you out of appreciation a Starbucks gift card, and hope that you'll. Uh, come back and be with us again very, very soon. But we'd love to connect with you that way. Uh, so uh, sermon today, Sermon on the Mount, part seven, Superior Ethics, part two. Teens are having your class on the patio. So you can go ahead and be dismissed there. Teenagers, your class is on the patio should you want to be there. A new member class is going to take place right after this service. It'll be in the adult classroom, uh, and we have uh, lunch for you. Uh, so if you didn't sign up, you still come ahead uh, and I'll give you somebody else's lunch. Uh, it's, no, it's not a problem. We actually got extra lunches. So if you're thinking about being a member, you want to find out more about the church, what we believe and why, uh, then go ahead and attend. You don't have to join after you eat the lunch. The lunch is still yours. Uh, women's tea meeting right afterwards, right down on, in this section right here. All of you ladies, uh, December the 2nd, uh, Christmas tea for the ladies. 
meet here for just, it'll be a brief meeting, and Annabelle will go over some specifics, answer all your questions. This Thursday and Saturday, in the bulletin are the details, Thursday and Saturday is a, uh, a class over in Chula Vista at the refinery, which is on, I think, 5th and E, I believe, but it's in the bulletin, uh, and it, it'll teach you and train you how to be a witness to your friends and neighbors, how to lead them to Jesus Christ, and it's in preparation for uh, for the not, Billy Graham crusade is coming, a one-day thing in March, March the 9th in Chula Vista at the amphitheater. Franklin's going to be preaching. So uh, if you want to learn how to win someone to Christ, you can go Thursday night or you can go Saturday during the day. Details are in the bulletin. Next Sunday, uh, Sermon on the Mount, Part 8, Real Righteousness. And Darlene, come on up here and make an announcement about, and she's going to use this red microphone right here, uh, about the Halloween outreach or the fall festival outreach, whichever you prefer to call it. Can uh, we do the video? Go ahead and start. Yeah. We got a Christmas tea here. <laughs> All right. Well, we're, while they're getting ready, uh, let me say uh, this also. I don't often agree. Oh, it's up there. Okay. Hi, good morning. My name is Darlene, and um, so this year the Halloween outreach is on Tuesday. Is Tuesday, um, October thirty-first, and we still need a lot of volunteers and a lot of candy. So uh, if you can bring candy, next week would be the perfect time, um, or any time during the week you can drop it off in Julie's office. And then uh, as far as volunteers go, we have a sheets we're passing around. If you haven't signed up yet, or if you haven't gotten an email from me, either thanking you for candy or thanking you for uh, volunteering, please sign up. And uh, so we need volunteers anywhere from the hours of 3 p.m. to 9 p.m. Um, and uh, tearing down is a big deal too, because we have a lot of tables and everything to put away. So thank you very much, and hopefully we'll see you there. And I'll tell you what, I appreciate Help out when we have special outreaches. Last week, the, uh, the picnic at the park was incredible. Uh, it was so well executed, so well planned, and so many of you helped out in putting things away at the end and made it a, a real joy and a real easy uh, operation. Thank you all. Thank you for the kind words, uh, and thank you for that chocolate cake. Uh, that was... That was awesome. Annabelle, I ate your piece. I'm so sorry. I, I meant to save it for you, but, and Bo, the carrot cake was amazing too. So it was, it was good. So I, don't, I was going to say, uh, Hamas attack uh, a week and a day ago, I don't often agree with our current president on many issues, but I agree with his precise wording that he used in the condemnation of uh, Hamas's invasion and subsequent atrocities. President Biden said, among other things, it was an act of sheer evil. And, and that's an unqualified statement. That, that is absolutely what it was. Further, I believe it was demoniac in nature. I really do. I believe that we've got one on both sides. Uh, Sherry, yeah, that one goes on that side. 
It, it, it's exciting, isn't it? It's fun. <laughs> I believe that what happened with Hamas was demoniac in nature, the criminal and barbaric acts uh, of terror practiced by Hamas reveal the subhuman element, in my opinion, of their natures. President Biden also said in so many words, Israel must fight a just war. And I agree. It must not. And I started a message uh, that includes some discussion from the Sermon on the Mount on retaliation uh, several weeks ago, not knowing, obviously, that I would be preaching on this Sunday, a uh, week after the invasion. Um, but they must not retaliate with the same war crimes. They must obliterate the terrorists. They must protect their people. But they must not respond in kind with some of the horrendous things that have happened. While Hamas gave no warning about their incursion in, and their invasion, Israel has given repeated warnings to the citizens uh, of uh, Gaza to leave immediately or die. So any war, folks, any war, and you, you guys and gals who are in the military know how war acts and, and operates more than anybody else, but any war has non-combatants, has collateral damage. Civilians will die. It's always been the case and always will be the case. But Hamas is, in some reports, is not letting Palestinians leave the Gaza Strip. Uh, Egypt is not opening the doors so they can get in. And Palestinians, uh, the Hamas people are using Palestinians for human shields along with the hostages. So any loss, in my opinion, and in the opinion of our president, any, any loss of innocent civilian life rests on the shoulders of Hamas alone. They started this. They are perpetuating uh, this thing. I would like to receive an offering today that will be used for humanitarian efforts, uh, food, water, medical supplies, relocation. Funds will go through an approved charity designed for that purpose. So uh, that's what this offering will be for. If you, if you do make a check out, make it out to First Baptist Church, designate on the memo uh, for Israel. We will get every penny and, and add some to it. Uh, this week and get it to them probably by Tuesday or Wednesday. We're going to vet a couple of different organizations. Uh, Annabelle's already vetted one of them, which I think is probably what we'll go through. I don't know if Samaritan's Purse is doing anything, but we're going to check on that. So go ahead and pass the offering plates now, guys. Thank you so much for that. I just wanted to give that, uh, that preparation. And I'm going to ask you to remain seated as we go ahead and sing this next song. We'll stand for the last song, but this way we can facilitate the offering.
praise team. It is at the cross where the guilt can be relieved and where the fear can be taken away because of what he did for us. Boys and girls, come on. Before you go to class, stop by here. Come on to the front just for a few moments. And everyone else, take your Bibles. Turn to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5. You have your Bible? Let me see it. Wave it up here. The Word of God. You realize we have the Word of Almighty God right here in our hands. Amazing, amazing thing. And we've got some amazing boys and girls right here. I want to ask you all a question, and, and I want to see what we find out about this. First of all, has, has it ever been a time when somebody hit you, and you hit them back, and you got in trouble? Has that ever happened to anybody? Who's that happened to? Me, me. Oh, you know what? George, it happened to him too. All right. Yeah, you know what? It happens in football, doesn't it, Eric? It's not always the first guy that does something wrong. It's the guy who retaliates who does something wrong. He's the one who gets in trouble. So it doesn't seem fair. Okay. And you know what? It doesn't seem fair that you get in trouble when you're hitting someone back. But you know what Jesus says? Yeah. Yeah. He says, He says, don't retaliate, don't get even. Jesus said, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. And so, you know what? Yeah, but you know what? You let Jesus do your fighting. Wow. Uh, She's going to be a preacher. Uh, Let Jesus do your fighting because vengeance is his, says the Lord. So, you know what we're supposed to do? If somebody hits us, we're supposed to walk away. And you know what else we're supposed to do? We're supposed to forgive them for hitting us. What? Even if they don't ask for it. And you know what else is supposed to happen? We're supposed to pray for them. Pray for those who hurt us. You, what's that? You need to tell me something? What is it, Jordan? You know what you're supposed to do for him? Pray for him, okay? Yeah. You got to pray for him because Jesus needs to help him, right? Jesus needs to change his heart. I love it. I love it. Let's pray, boys and girls. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for every one of these young men and young ladies up here. And God, we pray that you would bless them and raise them up to love you and to serve you all their entire lives. Bless the teachers who teach them, we pray now, in Jesus' name. And all the kids said, amen. All right. Go ahead and go to your class right over here. All right. Wow. (laughs) Wow. It's not Halloween yet, is it? (laughs) Wow. Okay. I love it. I love it. Matthew chapter 5. Last week we introduced three of Jesus' superior ethics, and they were what his, his thoughts are about murder. It's not just taking someone's physical life, but it's also... Uh, being angry toward a brother. That's one way we can become guilty of murdering their, their reputation, their testimony. We can become guilty of character assassination, but also anger is what leads oftentimes to actual physical, literal murder. So we talked about murder. We talked about adultery. And, and Jesus laid down uh, a, something there much more uh, much superior to just the actual act of committing adultery physically. He says, if you look at someone to lust after them, you're committed to adultery already in your cardia, in your heart. And so he, he warns against that. And divorce, uh, he talked about it shouldn't be for just any reason. It shouldn't be an easy, no-fault, quickie type thing. Uh, there are provisions 
uh, for, and, and let me reiterate, I, I believe that 1 Corinthians chapter 7, if, if someone has abandoned their mate, they're gone, they're out of there, I believe that is a legitimate reason. Uh, unfaithfulness, physically uh, committing adultery is also a reason. And I have to say, though I cannot give you a chapter and verse, if you're in a relationship and your physical life is being threatened, I would recommend my daughter get out of that situation. I don't have a, a, a talk with my son-in-law. Uh, I, I would definitely do that. Yeah. He might not know I'm talking, but he... Uh, Jesus was not impressed with the righteousness of the Pharisees. In fact, he said, if you want to see the kingdom of heaven, your righteousness must exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees. And the Pharisees were great play actors. They acted like they were children of God. They acted like they loved God, but their religion, their way of treating people, their whole purpose in being was not up to God's par which is what we need to be up to more than concerned about more than anything else. The warning is our righteousness must exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees. Today we begin with Jesus' ethics regarding oaths and sworn testimony. That's the first of three more different ethics. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 33, follow along. Now, in my translation I'm using, it starts right off with, you have also heard their ancestors were told, you must not break your vows. But in the King James Version... There is a connective word there that is missing in the translation I'm using here, and it's, it's again. So Jesus gave those three things we just went over and summarized, and he says, again. In other words, I'm continuing. There's a connective thought here. Now, here's some other ethics that I have that are higher than uh, what your law commands. Uh, so it's a connective word showing a series of specific connected ethics. You have heard... Uh, that our ancestors were told, and that's referring to the Old Testament scriptures, our ancestors were told how by the uh, recording of the word of God that you must not break your vows or your oaths, your solemn statements, your promises. In fact, if you go ahead and do a study of vows and oaths in the Old Testament, you'll find out men who had made a vow or an oath could not get out of that vow or oath. Women could get out of that vow or oath if they're not married, their father gets them out of it, or if their husband, if they're married, their husband could get them out of it. But a man, once he made that oath, you must carry out the vows you made to the Lord, period. But I say, and here's Jesus' superior, uh, superior ethic uh, announced in an emphatic way that when, when it says here, but I say, it's a, it's a big difference here. In other words, it's a big difference coming. Here's, you, you know you're supposed to make your vows and carry them out to the Lord, but here's what I'm telling you. Do not make any vows. Do not say by heaven or I swear by heaven Do not because heaven is God's throne. Do not say I swear by the earth because the earth is his footstool. And do not say I swear by Jerusalem for Jerusalem is the city of the great king. Do not even say I swear by my head for you can't turn one hair white or black. Just say a simple word, yes, I will, or no, I won't. Anything beyond that is from the evil one. Isn't this amazing? We're not the, you know, uh, what is it we used to say? I, I got it written down here somewhere. Uh, cross my heart and hope to die. Stick a needle in my eye. <laughs> I know some of you have had that, stuck your needle in your eye stuff. And that's, that, really, that gives me the willies thinking about it. So... Uh, we, those were little vows that we made, little promises. In other words, I'm telling the truth. I'm really telling the truth. I swear, I'd, uh, you know, I, 
but God says, don't do that. Jesus said, don't do that. Concerning vows, while the theme of greater righteousness continues, the examples now move away from the Old Testament commands uh, to uh, this, this idea of taking vows, and it's prohibitive uh, in reflection of Leviticus 19, 12. And you shall not swear by my name falsely, neither shall you profane the name of thy God. I am the Lord. Other verses in the Old Testament also apply. Numbers chapter 30, verse 2. If a man vow a vow unto the Lord or swear an oath to bind his soul with a bond, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all the proceeds uh, that proceeds out of his mouth. Deuteronomy 23, 21, and when you shall vow a vow unto the Lord your God, you shall not be slack to pay it, for the Lord your God will surely require it of you, and it would be sin in you. Then another one, one more scripture, Psalm 50, verse 14, offer unto God thanksgiving and pay your vows to the Lord most high. In other words, what he's saying is here, don't swear falsely. Don't swear by anything. The Jews of Jesus' time thought if they swore by heaven, or by the earth, or by Jerusalem, or by their own head, which literally meant their own lives, if they somehow said, I swear in that name, it didn't, you're not, as long as you don't use God's name, it didn't even mean you had to be honest about it. It didn't mean you had to fulfill that vow or, or, or speak the truth. That was how, how ridiculous the Pharisees regarded this particular uh, topic. So Jesus shows that even the heavens are his, and even the earth is his, and obviously Jerusalem is his, and your head, your life is his, so heaven is likened unto God's throne, and earth is likened unto his footstool, and Jerusalem also is his footstool, and it's the city of the king, and and, and one's head speaks of your life, and, and you can't turn one hair white or 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 whatever. That's before uh, hair dye was invented, ladies. So that, I'm not sure that, how that applies right now. I, know, I haven't worried so much about the color. I just, I just miss the, what used to be there. That's all. So uh, yeah, go back and look at some of those wedding pictures. Uh, um, it's like, you know, it used to bother me. My hair was like four inches tall or something. It's like, it won't lay down. Boy, it lays down now. At night, it lays down and doesn't get up when I get up in the morning. So where am I? Uh, we're not to swear by any of these things. It doesn't make it more, it shouldn't make our speech more binding if we say, I swear by whatever. And God forbid that we would say, I swear by in the name of God and not go ahead and fulfill whatever it is that we said. But Jesus said the higher ethic, don't make vows at all. Don't don't make these statements. It's better not to swear by anything or anyone. I got this from the shorter Oxford Dictionary. It says to swear means to t- make a solemn declaration or statement with an appeal to God or a superhuman being or to some sacred object in confirmation of what was said. I, I swear on the, by the word of God. I swear by the Bible. I, you know, that's what he's talking about. I know our president takes vow, whoever the new president, they, they swear by, on the Bible. They swear in the name of, of, of God or in, in a court of law. I had a professor who would not, in a court of law, make such a statement. He said, my word will be yes or no. I will tell the truth. And he, he referenced this scripture right here, that we are not to have to make 
make their, our word stronger or make it more honest just because we've tied it to something else that we have sworn to. Jesus' followers should be people whose words are so characterized by integrity and truthfulness that we need no further assurance of, of our honesty to the people to whom we're speaking. The conclusion of the matter is never it's never necessary for Christ's people to swear an oath that they're going to utter the truth. We should just, what comes from our mouth and our lips ought to be honest, ought to be true. Ought, people ought to be able, you know, used to, I mean, Christian or not, a, a person's word was their bond, right? And used to, they'd shake hands on something and, and, and pledge themselves to something, and they would honor that, Christian or not Christian. And so the, 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 the word, our word should be so reliable that nothing more than a statement is needed from it. We don't have to, we don't have to somehow swear on, on something or someone else. God is in all of life, and every statement is made before him. So you know what? Think about that. Think, uh, when you find yourself, I, I swear, you know, don't swear. Don't swear either, by the way. Don't swear. <laughs> Two different meanings there, all right? So concerning vows. Secondly, and, and this is amazing to me, uh, I, I'm, I never cease to be amazed at how God coordinates things, but I didn't know when I started this sermon uh, two or three weeks ago, three or four weeks ago, that, that Hamas would be invading, would have invaded Israel and, and all this developed would have happened. But concerning retaliation, and listen to me closely, because I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm going to say. Even what I said earlier when we received that offering, uh, don't misunderstand. Israel has responsibility to her people to protect them and to do what's necessary to preserve life, liberty, and their freedom, and, and to be free from threats and, uh, of imminent death. I mean, they have every right to do that. They must do that. But listen closely to the, the difference that we make here. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 38, you've heard the law says the punishment must match the injury. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I say, and there's that emphatic insertion again, but I say, that's what the Old Testament says, if you put out someone's eye, you caught, it costs you your eye. If you knock someone's tooth out, it costs you your tooth. But I say unto you, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. That is so counter-human nature. If you are sued in court, and your shirt, says Tunic, your shirt is taken from you. Give them your coat also. How many times in a lawsuit when someone wins, uh, someone loses, do they give more than what was requested or required by the judge's edict? If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. You see a theme here? Give to those ask. And don't turn away from those who want to borrow. Now, we can compare this. Jesus said, you've heard of old. It's been said of old. It was written in the scriptures. Where was it written? Exodus chapter 21, verses 24 through 27. Eye for eye, Mosaic law, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burning for burning, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. And if a man smite the eye of his servant or the eye of his maiden and it perish, in other words, that eye is, is, is damaged and doesn't work anymore, he shall let him go free for his eye's sake. That was the price 
that he must exact from the one who owned this servant, uh, they have to let him go. If he smite out his manservant's tooth or his maidservant's tooth, he must let him or her go free for the tooth's sake. Why is it that revenge comes so easy for so many of us? It seems natural to retaliate or to want to retaliate. And if we're honest with that, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you're a, you are a lot different from I am if, if you're not tempted uh, to retaliation because I got to tell you, I am tempted. My, my initial thoughts after the, what I heard had happened in Israel, my initial thoughts were not very godly and not very spiritual. Um, and I had to, you know, God had to, and he used this message that he'd already been working with me on to help center me on this. But why is it so easy for us to want to get, Jesus gives us the principle of not hitting back and walking the extra mile. Now, okay, here's my, here's my qualification to that statement, okay? He's not saying injustice must not be corrected. He's not saying that. He, is, he does not expect us to stand there while someone beats us to a pulp. That's not what he's saying. The word used expressly there when it says if someone slaps you implies an open-handed slap as opposed to a doubled-up fist. So there's a difference. There's a slap. Back in the old days, moms used to slap their kids. Now, I don't know how you think about that, but I'm in God's service today because of my mom's slaps and broomsticks. You ever been, had knots raised on your head by a broomstick? I'm telling you. Now, I'm, I'm making my, if you know my mom, she's, she's incredible. She's an incredible lady, but she believed in corporal punishment. And, and, and I told you, it was like, it was cruel because sometimes I'd get in trouble and she'd say, we had this crazy heads roll out behind the house. She said, go pick out a switch. You better be a good one. How many have had to do that? Better be a good one. You know what that means. You go out and get a dead one, and she whacks on you and it's broken and says, go get another one. <laughs> you got to get one that's going to last a little while. You know what I mean? And I was exercised by that woman. <laughs> He's not, we don't have to stand there. He's talking about a slap. Someone slaps you on the cheek, turn the other one and, and, and let them slap you in that cheek also. We're not obligated to give everything we have to every beggar who stands on a street corner wanting your money so they can uh, go ahead and, and, and take care of whatever habits they want to take care of. And not everybody obviously is doing that, but some of them are. Um, if, if these things were so, if that's the way it was, we would be bound by endless tyranny. That's not the way it is. The principles are that we're to refrain from asserting our personal rights and we should put the needs of others before our own uh, and, uh, all through life and mark the difference between the servant of God and the worldling. There ought to be a big change in the way, a big difference from the way we act toward aggression and toward other people and the way that the worldling acts toward them. In both cases, that is the loss of an eye or the loss of a tooth, the punishment is precisely equivalent according to the word of God. The precept is an ancient one, was first expressed, I'm told, in the code of Hammurabi, Hammurabi in 18th century BC. I believe it was a Persian, one of the Persian leaders, uh, almost 2,000 years before Christ. And, and in his day, 
It was a great advance in law because what it provided for was even-handed justice without respect of persons. And what that meant was, no matter how great the offender was, he could not escape just punishment. How far have we moved away from that? And no matter how small, that no more could be exacted of him than his offense merited. That's the Hammurabi Code. Uh, it took punishment out of the realm of private vengeance, but the Pharisees tended to add it back in. So, so is it right to defend yourself? I think so. If you're in imminent danger, it's absolutely right to defend yourself. If somebody slaps you, literally or symbolically, I, what I told the kids, best thing is to walk away. Best thing is to pray for them. Forgive them. <laughs> I love her reaction, right? No. I, I hear me. No. Jesus calls for an end, listen to this, to private vengeance and retaliation. His ethic, once again, is higher than that of the law. How many know there's evil people out there? How many of those people, evil people who will prey on you if they can? Doesn't mean we should let evil triumph throughout our communities. The riots in 2020, not being justice not being served by, by people not being arrested and prosecuted to the full extent of the law. The mobs of thieves today that go into Nordstrom's and whatever else, Macy's or whatever, and break glass counters, you know, scores of people running in, grabbing whatever they can, running out, ought to be persecuted to the full extent of the law. It's not a matter of personal vengeance. It's a matter of law and order. And a society, if it's going to exist, has got to have law and order. If it doesn't, it disintegrates into anarchy. And then no one's safe anywhere. Jesus is referring to private retaliation, not public order. Israel, under their IDF and, and Netanyahu, ought to do everything necessary to obliterate Hamas. They ought to. It's their responsibility as government, as military, to protect the citizens and civilians of their nation. They must not commit the same atrocities. That would make us, that would make them no better than Hamas. If we were to do that kind of thing, it would make us no better than Hamas. The whole idea of a just war and fighting it, it's necessary. Wars are necessary. There'll be wars and rumors of wars always, and it's sad. I wish it weren't. Until the Lord comes back again, there will be. But guess what? We don't have to say, you, you know what they did to babies. Doesn't mean they should do the same to Palestinian babies. I think everyone understands that. Jesus next enlightens the hearer about how to deal with a person who takes by law one's tunic. Give them your cloak also. Give them your outer garment as well. So if they want your shirt, they sue you and they get your shirt. Go ahead and do more. Give them more. 
Give them your coat as well. Next, Jesus refers to the option of an authority most of the times, and he, he talks about a soldier here compelling someone to carry their burden for one mile. Actually, it was a 1,000 paces. Jesus tells them to carry it two miles, carry it 2,000 steps. If you're counting steps today, uh, that'd be 2,000 good steps right there. Uh, but that you're going over and above what that soldier can command you to do. Under Rome, Roman occupation, he could command you to carry his pack, a thousand paces. So go above that. There are two points in the importance of that. Uh, Doing the right thing, Jesus says, is not only to put up cheerfully with the unreasonable and disliked demand, be cheerful about it, but go well beyond what is asked. Your testimony, your righteousness is going to be above reproach if you do those things. Finally, Jesus teaches them to give and to loan as one is able to those who ask And again, I don't think it commands us to empty our wallets to every person standing on a street corner. I think there's got to be some judgment and and so on in that. But certainly if people have needs, we ought to meet them if we can. The third thing in this trilogy today is concerning enemies. Matthew chapter 5, verse 43, you have heard. Again, the scribal interpretation, uh, that's inferior to what Jesus is going to say, but it's something that was written down uh, that that the the scribes were supposed to write down. You've heard the law says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. And and this idea of love is agape love, which is godly love. Love with agape love your neighbor, uh, those who are close to you, uh, and hate, uh, having ill will in words and conduct, your enemy, hostiles, By the way, the law nowhere says to hate their enemies. And I believe you can prosecute war without hating your enemies. Uh, It sounds contradictory, but I think it can be done. In verse 44, but I say love your enemies. So this is an adversative clause here. Something else is presented here. In other words, love, also agape love, love your enemies. It's a command. It's not an option. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you'll be acting as true children of your Father in heaven, for he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. God's blessings and love are distributed to 8 billion people on the face of this earth. Good things happen to good people. Bad things happen to good people. Good things happen to bad to. Bad people and good things. Yeah, both works both ways. God's blessings and love are distributed to us all. If you love only those who love you, he says, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do as much. If you're kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? He says to salute, to pronounce peace upon. It was a prayer. Pray for them. Even pagans do that. It is never enough that believers do the good only that unbelievers do, but it's always necessary that we do more. If you are to be perfect, verse 48, then even as your Father in heaven is perfect, be perfect as he is. Be complete. Now, this is beyond radical because he's saying to love your enemies, which has got to be incredibly hard to do for the Israelis to love Uh, Hamas right now. Uh, It's got to be incredibly hard. Uh, But he's saying, love your enemies. And and he's saying, be you perfect even as God is. So this is ideal Christian love. It's how people know we are different from the world. How do they know we're different from the world? By our love. We're one in the spirit. We're one in the Lord. 
and we pray that our unity will one day be restored. And they'll know we are Christians by our love, by our love. Yeah, they'll know we are Christians by our love. God's good gifts are upon all of us, the good and the bad, all of us. And those who serve God should show a similar generous attitude to the enemies as well as to friends. We, we are made it and created in the image of Almighty God. If God tells us to love our enemies, we ought to then figure out how through him to love our enemies. But again, it doesn't mean we can't prosecute war. It doesn't mean we can't go ahead and take care of protecting the people and doing what needs to be done. Attitudes toward enemies in the Old Testament are complicated. I don't have the answers. Some of the things Israel was commanded to do in the Old Testament is, is, is impossible for me to completely understand and to be able to explain to you. I just, by grace through faith, know that God is a holy and perfect and righteous God. And that's why I trust him with whatever he says. I don't understand all about the Old Testament, but calling for the Jews to hate their enemies is, a, is an oversimplification of what Jesus was teaching. In fact, it's inaccurate. It's not even what Jesus was teaching. It's not even what the law taught to hate. The text goes further. We're to pray for those who persecute us. Pray for those. And that's what I, I hear from, from martyr, Christian martyrs that uh, about Christian martyrs, that they would pray for those who burned them at the stake. They would pray for them. We just, we just celebrated however many years ago, I can't remember now, but when William Tyndall was, was burned alive for translating the scriptures into English, that was his crime. That was his crime, translating the word of God from Hebrew and Greek into English. And for that, he, was, he had to pay the ultimate price. And he prayed for his persecutors. And we're to pray for our persecutors. And, and, and persecutors have to be the hardest people in the world to love. My wife, I read a book too in, in the 70s called The Persecutor about someone who used to, in Russia, find underground churches and shut them down and imprison Christians and do the kind of things, no doubt, the Apostle Paul did to the Christians of the first century. And he was, as he was beating this young lady, as I recall, as he was beating this young lady, she was praying for him. And he could not get away from that. And he became a born-again child of God. And he left Russia, jumped ship literally off the west coast up north of here, I, I believe north of here, in Canadian waters. Went around with teaching and preaching and, and talking about it and, and said, one day you will hear that I died in an accident. He said, it won't be an accident. And pretty soon after that, he died in an accident. Unbroken is the incredible biography of World War II veteran Louis Zamperini, a former Olympian track star who survived as a, uh, he's in the Air Force or the Army, I'm not sure which, one or the other, survived a plane crash in the Pacific Theater, spent 47 days drifting on a raft, and then survived more than two and one half years as a POW in three different Japanese camps. The treatment of him was horrendous. He was under threat of death all the time. They would play mental games with him all the time. 
hiding place is the story of Corey Ten Boom. Most of you have heard of Corey Ten Boom, whose whole family, their crime was hiding Jews in World War II. And when they were found out, they were sent to a camp where her whole family perished, except for her. And she came face to face, subsequent to being freed. A few years later, she came face to face with one of the guards in that prison where her sister died, where she was abused and treated poorly. And he, not knowing who she was, not remembering her, but she remembered him, said, I was a guard. Would you please forgive me? And she struggled. And she finally said, I forgive you. If we only love those who love us, we're no better than the Pharisees. And that, does, that means our righteousness does not exceed the righteousness of the Pharisee. This is not an easy kind of love. To bless them, to love them, to do good for them, to pray for them who would persecute, despise, and ultimately kill you and kill your family. This is not grammar school stuff. This is graduate school stuff. And he says, be perfect as you have. That's what, it takes perfection in my opinion, do this kind of stuff. And the, and the only way we can have it is when he indwells us and flows through us. We can be perfect as he is perfect. We maybe can't be totally perfect, but we can improve. I can improve. So what have we learned today? Let your words be truthful all the time. Absolute truth. Speak only the truth. Secondly, don't retaliate. No personal vengeance. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. He'll take care of it. Thirdly, go the extra mile with a sweet disposition. And last of all, love your enemies. Bless and pray for your persecutors. That's all. That's your homework for this week. And that's enough, I'll tell you right now. Would you join me in prayer as we bow our heads together? Would you, would you do this? Would you consider praying? I've been praying for the Palestinians who are not part of this viciousness. But I think I need to pray for those members of Hamas who are so lost and so steeped in demoniac control that they would do some of the horrendous things they've done. Could we, could we even pray for them and certainly pray for Israel? Father, as we bow before you right now, we pray first of all for the, your people, the Israelites, Lord, in spiritual darkness, in physical turmoil right now, grieving over so many loved ones who've been lost and so many more who will be in the next few days, weeks, whatever it takes. We pray that many of them would come to Christ. Lord, we know there are Christians there. We know there are outreaches to the Jewish communities. We pray that people would be born again through this time. It seems like it takes tragedy sometimes for us to come to you. So bless your people, God, in an amazing, supernatural way, we pray. And God, we pray for the Palestinians who are not part of Hamas, who are caught 
whose lives have already been horrendously disrupted, whose lives will never be the change from the, the same, rather, from this day on. Probably many of whom have already lost loved ones. Lord, we pray again the gospel would get to them. We know we have missionaries who work with the Palestinians as well as the, the Jews. God, give them great power in preaching. And Lord, I pray for those members of Hamas. I can't imagine what must go through their minds late at night over what they have done, some of them have done. I can't imagine doing what they've done without the power of the evil one surging through us and controlling us. So Father, I pray for them that they would turn to Christ as their Savior and their Lord, that they could be forgiven. And Lord, I pray for a speedy end to this time of warfare. And I pray for the ultimate peace, the Prince of Peace, who will come one day, perhaps very soon, and establish his kingdom. Only then will there be no more war. So Father, bless them, bless us. God, help us to put into practice right in our neighborhoods, right in our workplaces, right in our schools, the things that we've talked about. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand, please? If you'd like to receive Christ as your personal Savior, no guilt in this life, no fear in death, I'd ask you to come forward in this invitation. If you'd like to join the church, I'd ask you to come forward in the invitation. If you'd like to be baptized, we can take care of that at a later time. I'd like for you to come forward. If you need to come and pray, just come and pray. Do what God's leading you to do right now. We'll meet you right down here. We'll sing a verse, maybe two. And that'll be the invitation this morning.
right, here's what we're going to do now. Ladies are going to come right down here and meet on this side. And Annabelle will come down here and give you some instructions and talk to you about the Christmas ladies tea or ladies Christmas tea or tea Christmas ladies or however that's supposed to go. She'll come down and take care of that. Those are going to be in the new member class. We're going to be right over here. Uh, if you pre-ordered a meal, then you go ahead and pick it up. It should be on the back tables right back here. If you did not order one, but you're going to be there, get, grab a turkey sandwich. If you're a vegetarian, I will pray for you. <laughs> And give me your turkey. Okay, you are what you eat, right? Okay, so, all right. Father, dismiss us with your love. God, may, may we put into practice, Lord, not just learn about it and hear these principles, may we put them into practice for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being in God's house today.